Welcome, everyone, to episode 10 of Landed's Fast Casual podcast. I'm super excited today to have Ari from Show Mars. Uh, say hi. Say hi, Ari. Hi, Vivian. Hi, everyone. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Yes, and um, it's really great to be your host today. Um, I am really excited to jump into everything that Ari has to share about his experience being an operator, but also thinking about restaurant technology and digitization of a lot that's going on in our industry. So uh, I will start out by uh, passing it over to Ari to start with an introduction about himself. Thanks again, Vivian. It's an honor to be here. Just a forewarning, I'm recovering from bronchitis, so if I do have to take an extra water break through this, uh, please forgive me. Uh, Ari Ziogas here uh, uh, with Show Mars out of Charlotte, North Carolina. We're a fast casual concept that's a blend of classic Southern fare and Greek food. I've uh, been around for 40 years and we have uh, 32 locations and just a slow, steady growth in the Carolinas. Uh, we operate in North and South Carolina. Uh, personally, myself, I've, I've been in the industry since I was four, the day after my 14th birthday. I actually went to work for an uncle of mine and his restaurant. And there was uh, the, the love affair began then. I've just been passionate about the industry my entire life almost. Um, and and uh, uh, the learning never stops, uh, no matter how long you've been in it. Just uh, I, I asked one of my one of my uh, early bosses from uh, right out of college, uh, who's been in the industry for for decades. I said, you know, if you were, uh, were you, learning wise, you know, when, when do you feel like you're you're you're, you're fluent enough to? Uh, to, in the operations and everything to kind of to kind of take it on your own and he says you know i'm still learning i've been doing this for 40 <laughs> years uh so, so uh, we continue to learn uh about the industry and and, and uh especially nowadays as it evolves ever so quickly um, absolutely i mean things have been moving so fast um like a number that you threw out uh, when we were first talking about this was that the digital ordering space has 5x since COVID, so yeah, I mean, for us, for us personally, that that's true. Yeah, that's a crazy number. So, like, um, one of the things that we're kind of thinking about a lot is, and a lot of um, a lot of hospitality groups, restaurant groups are thinking about is like technology on the customer experience side, because you know, obviously, good food and good service uh, is important. Like, those are kind of core to hospitality, but like, oftentimes, that's not necessarily enough anymore, especially as the consumer has evolved post COVID, right? They're looking for things like instant gratification. Um, experience is so important nowadays. Like what is the actual experience of maybe like doing that online order, picking up their food, receiving the food. Sometimes like that experience is completely out of your hands, right? It might be with a third party delivery. So how are you thinking about like, guest experience at show Mars or like, you know, in, in the industry as a whole. Yeah. So guest experience has always been something that we've uh, put a lot of emphasis on our service model uh, uh, for dine-in, you know, which was a majority of our, uh, of our revenue source pre COVID uh, our service model is very personal touch. You know, you'd order at the counter, we'd bring the food to the guests. We still do. Uh, and, and, and just have a, a very attentive wait staff, uh, uh, that, that is gonna keep your drink full, pre take your clear your table as you finish. Uh, uh, 
we even go as far as opening doors for people and welcoming them when they uh, when they come. And Southern hospitality, if you will. Yeah. Um, so 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 COVID, um, all of a sudden, you know, our doors are shuttered, and 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 we have to convey this element that has helped define who our brand is in a different way. And so, uh, uh, you know, we we looked for ways to do that. Uh, 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 we were fortunate enough to to be. Uh, roughly 35 to 40 percent off premise pre-COVID, so we were fortunate enough to have that foundation to be able to pivot quickly into an off-premise and 100 percent off-premise model. Uh, so, so we looked for ways to to um, uh, convey that high level of service uh, uh, by by making ourselves uh, as accessible as possible. So, yeah. so in in a time where um, uh, you know many many people. Uh, uh, we're afraid to leave their home. You know, we didn't have delivery uh, uh, per se. Uh, we, we didn't have curbside per se. We didn't, um, we may have been in our very, very early days of delivery that I don't recall the exact time okay. we started doing marketplace. Uh, uh, but but we, we really invested a lot of time uh, uh, and, and uh, uh, effort and uh, uh, energy into perfecting relationships with DSPs uh, we, we embrace them. I know. I know a lot of the industry just looks at them as a necessary evil. Um, I, I beg to differ. I know. I know it can be an uphill battle in that sense. But but if you learn to uh, uh, kind of coexist, you're really putting yourself in front of uh, customers that may or may not know who you are. Uh, sure. And 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 it's an opportunity to 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 introduce your customer to your brand to your customer to a new customer. Uh, and, and actually show them that you're a, a little bit a little bit more elevated. So we looked a lot at the packaging. Uh, we mm -hmm. looked we looked at uh, uh, our sealed delivery uh, packaging uh, uh, as far as as far as uh, not just food but beverages as well. Uh, we, we we took uh, uh, we took a stab at self delivery as well, integrated okay. through uh, through um, our, our uh, online ordering service provider. Um, any opportunity uh, at the curbside was another thing we talked about and touched on. Um, we we, we kind of turned our, our uh, we have a few stores with uh, pickup windows, uh, just one full service drive through currently in the, in the company. We plan to change that, but uh, we, we looked at uh, turning our parking lot into a, a full curbside, uh, 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 call it, you know, we weren't set up for drive through, but call it almost like a drive through. Sure. Uh, yeah, uh, like so, a parking lot so drive through. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. So, so uh, people people were able to to just tell us what spot they were, text us what spot they were in, and and then we bring their food out to them. Uh, uh, I guess the the common theme is is meeting your customers where they want it to be met, uh, mm -hmm. and in some instances showing them where they want it to be met. Uh, sure. And we, we in, in some instances we we were able to kind of establish an, a new expectation for for uh, uh, how service would move forward. Uh, now things are kind of you know we're pulling not pulling back but things are kind of normalizing again let's call them they're not i don't think they'll ever be what they were pre-covid sure. but we are starting to see people come back into the dining rooms uh again um that being said you know we, we've we've definitely adjusted how how we, we want to uh look at our footprints moving forward yeah that makes sense i mean you brought up a really interesting point just now where you have your actual restaurants 
So like, you know, before COVID, you had it set up a certain way. And then you said that now, because like probably, you know, vast majority of your customers are experiencing Showmars as a brand via your packaging, you know, via like the way that you are showing up at their doorstep, not necessarily how your, what your brick and mortar looks like. That's a very interesting thing, right? Because like you can have a certain perception, you know, different brands have different perceptions. I go there for good value. I go there to splurge a little bit more, but maybe I'm like taking advantage of like the, the environment. Um, so I'm willing to spend a little bit more. Um, maybe I go there for like just consistently good food and service. So they're kind of different um, like ways that brands convey themselves to their customer. Um, and it's not honestly like, it's not always the same. Like, I don't think like McDonald's is trying to be like super high value, like super, like, you know, this is not an elevated experience necessarily. You're going in, you know what you're getting. Um, so given that being able to kind of experiment with that perception through packaging, because that's really the, the way that they're seeing your brand show up at their doorstep is an interesting one. So, um, you mentioned things like quality seals, like on your food, on even your beverages, that's great. I've started to see that like in my delivery orders. And I felt like that kind of like puts the brand a little bit, like moves them a little bit more um, in that like premium direction because I'm like, oh, wow, like they actually have the special seal. The first time I saw it, I was like, what is the safety seal? Like, and it's like branded and everything, right? Yep. You know, some companies nowadays just use like tape instead to kind of use to get to the same point. But like, those like small details definitely go a long way. Um, so like as a consumer, you know, you're trying out these new things, you're pushing these experiences out. Um, how are you actually getting like data and how are you actually thinking about what a good, like what the metrics are that mean that you're delivering a really great experience? Cause they're not within your four walls. You can't like just see like, are they smiling? Are they happy? Like it's harder to get that. So what are some of the things that you're looking at to determine like if what you're doing is effective? So without having a whole analytics team uh, on, on our, on our small uh, leadership staff, uh, we, we, it's cut and dry. Really. We, we, we do have access to our, our uh, merchant portals through our DSPs. Uh, uh, we, we look closely uh, every month. We have uh, uh, running uh, uh, KPI meetings, uh, looking at, at um, how stores are performing in regards to, uh, to uh, uh, their star ratings, to to uh, uh, promise times, to service times, um, how how delivery drivers uh, uh, are are uh, coming in and out of our facilities with with what with what speed and and uh, and all those uh, uh, components. Uh, the 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 bottom line falls to to volumes. So if we're seeing uh, month, quarter over quarter growth really is, is where we analyze that number. If we're seeing growth there, we consider it a win uh, and that we're doing uh, things correctly. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's funny because we're so saturated in the Charlotte market, uh, sure. Charlotte, North Carolina market. Uh, we, we often uh, uh, look at uh, some of our competitors and, and say, oh, they're doing they might be doing better than us, but we, we forget that, hey, you know, they might have one location versus our, 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 um, our two or three 
in or four in, in, in this market. And so, and so uh, volumes are kind of split, but you can really just continue to drill down on, on the operations quality and, and say, Hey, in the grand scheme of things we're, we're, we're meeting the customer's expectations even more so because uh, drivers don't have to drive the extra mile to get to a specific store. They got another option. Um, so, so that was something we had to learn a little bit about uh, as we were looking at, at our uh, performance figures. But that makes sense. And um, what has there have there been any like new performance figures that you've looked at since? Like, you know, I know that dine in and uh, takeaway split has like really fallen in favor of like the takeaway world, right? With like third party delivery, third party partners that you mentioned earlier. Um, if say like, you know, 60, 70% of your customers are like third party, like what other types of uh, metrics are you tracking now, like in this new, like digital ordering world? I don't think we've really tracking uh, beyond beyond operations quality. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think we're tr- we're tracking new metrics. I think the fundamentals of the business have remained the same for us. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah. You know, perhaps perhaps some of the the additional costs associated with that that uh, elevated delivery experience we spoke of earlier, uh, and, and how we're, we're managing those because that does come at a price. Um, and you know, they're they're. It's it's common knowledge. Many uh, brands and do inflated uh, pricing on marketplace, and and uh, you know we, we try we try to keep that as fair as possible. Um, um, yep. And, and and maybe that's a metric actually, just just where the consumer's propensity is to expend. How much of a premium is is that convenience factor really worth? Uh, that's that's right. probably something we have uh, paid closer attention to uh, uh, now that I think about it. Cool. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, also part of it's like, even before COVID, you guys did already, you were already set up for delivery and curbside, you just like really amplified that part of your business. So um, sounds like you're already tracking a lot of those metrics before. Now there might be a little bit more experimentation you can do on like pricing because of because you have just more volume in that like digital channel. But that makes a ton of sense. I mean, it sounds like you're already looking at the metrics. So so just continue to, to that, looking at operations. To, to that point, you know, uh, to your point, you may have, we were kind of set up for it. Uh, Pre-COVID, I think as a brand, we were happy being not uh, cutting edge with with technology and uh, all the digital initiatives per se, but being in the first third, let's call it, of the pack and the, on the not cutting edge, but but close to it, let's call it. Yeah, I think uh, our mindset really shifted when when that that moment hit that that we needed to pivot quickly, yeah. and today our culture is much more so of hey, look what this brand's doing. We need to be on that yesterday. Um, uh, that's that's kind of kind of uh, a major ch- change that we've uh, had. From the- that from makes the- sense. I mean, I know that you're like, <laughs> the person in charge of all these new digital initiatives and finding and implementing new technology. So it's easy to see kind of what everyone's doing, but it's hard to kind of make it match like your business model and like operationally roll things out. So like when you're thinking about like technology, like what is your approach? Like 
Um, and how do you think, like, are there any specific types of technologies where you're like, hey, everybody who's listening, you need to be looking at this like right now if you don't have it. Like, is there something like that? Or is it like, hey, like, here's just the approach that you can adopt. Like, we're, tell me more we're, about that. We're an, we're an interesting organization in that our, our, our founder, George Cashel, um, set this organization up with operating partners in every store. I need to give some leeway to every operating partner. So with that history, we've evolved and, and we have our current structure today. But in that growth, we've got a, a, a I think it's a, it can be a blessing and a curse. We've got uh, a, a blessing is entrepreneurs throughout the company that are smart go getters. Yeah. Uh, but but everybody has uh, everybody understands the end. Everybody has a different means to the end. You have top line oriented uh, operators. Uh, you have you have operators that that accept their their top line for what it is today, and are just going to be totally <laughs> bottom line oriented and and just squeeze every penny out of that operation. Sure. Um, and and I don't know who's listening today, but but I venture to say that that your leadership uh, team probably has some different personalities in it as well. I think uh, to find success with any digital initiative. Uh, and rolling it out, uh, you need to have buy-in. How do you get buy-in? I think the best way to generate buy-in is is being able to generate a clear ROI. Mm-hmm. Uh, that can be tricky because because let's say in a high volume unit, ROI is uh, an easier uh, uh, thing to demonstrate than than in a low low volume unit. So so uh, it's a it's it's a, a pretty basic formula that I'm sure everybody uses where you have your pilot stores. We try to look at, okay, how is this uh, in our pilot store program? How is this going to perform in a low-volume store, in a, in a suburban store, in an urban store, in, a, in just okay. a blowout high-volume store? And, and, and find some correlations there uh, before we, we, we farm it out. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, and in that process, uh, we have data, we have uh, – other operators who can come vouch for for how things are going uh, to, to help to help uh, get that buy-in and ultimately find success in, in those initiatives. As far as technology, to your other question that I would recommend today, uh, I think everyone's probably already doing it. You have to have some sort of digital ordering. Uh, uh, you have to have some sort of uh, uh, I, I would say some sort of open API. Uh, uh, in in uh, in your POS that, that can can accept uh, uh, integrations with whatever whatever partner you're trying to work with to achieve an end. Um, most people probably have that in today's world. I think some people were caught uh, uh, unprepared in the pandemic, um, but but those are things that that I would say are must-haves today. Um, the world is evolving quickly and you want to be, you know, the next best thing might be around the corner. You want to be ready yeah. to engage it uh, as soon as possible. Sure. Um, you know, for some of the folks who are a little bit less technical in the audience, like what does an open API mean uh, with your POS? Like what would that look like? Is there something that you should be? So that's basically yeah. cut and dry. It's, it's, it's just having a POS system that, that, has the ability to integrate with with other pieces of software. Okay. <coughs> uh, so so um, our our uh, uh, CEO uh, uh, recognized that years and years ago. Uh, probably when when I mean I was still just operating a corporate store at that time, uh, uh, and, and uh, we, we set forth on 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 uh, 
migrating from our legacy POS system to a cloud-based POS system. Mm-hmm. That that opened up a whole world of things for us. And that's about the time that me being the younger guy on the totem pole, he tapped me to, to help lead our digital initiative. So um, I'm, I'm not a tech guy at all. And, and so it's been a learning process as I've gone along. But I think I think going to tech conferences, uh, talking to peers, uh, uh, doing my own research and seeing and seeing what other uh, uh, solutions are out there. I think that's been just a common. OK, do they integrate with our POS? I mean, that's kind of the heart and soul of, of your tech stack. Yeah. Uh, so 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 that's that's probably the one thing I would have to say that. Awesome. Yeah. And you brought up like, I mean, you come from an operating background, right? And your operating partner, you've kind of worked your way up to now you're focused on digital initiatives. So like, I think a lot of uh, businesses out there, like hospitality groups, restaurants, they're kind of thrust into this world of 5x digital ordering, ordering, or like 5x like technology adoption, much, much quicker, like timelines. So a lot of folks like don't have necessarily that um, technical background. Like they're not like engineers, they're operators, right? So for folks who are like operators, it sounds like you kind of figured your way to where you are now and like went to some of these conferences, talked to folks in the industry. Like how should a person who needs to implement technology, they know that, but how should they approach it if they don't have that technical background? Yeah, I think uh, um, a previous guest on your on the podcast talked about how this community is actually pretty open. Reach out to people. Uh, uh, I've yet to encounter a, a, a restaurant executive or or uh, a, a tech uh, someone from the t- technology team that that was uh, not you know I don't want to say an open book, but not willing to share uh, and, and give advice and give experiences. But also think about um, you know. You can literally go broke spending money on technology. Uh, you really evaluate evaluate what solutions do you need? What solutions are nice to have, but you can get by without? And what solutions are just fluff? Uh, you know, t- take take a second and think about all those things, and 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 carve a path with with the needs, and then if you're finding success, build off that. Yeah, that makes sense. Just like tap into the network. I mean, probably if there's a problem that you're facing, you're not the first one to have faced it. (laughs) Um, Other people have faced it before. Maybe not like maybe not in today's environment, but they have like takeaways from when they were setting things up. Um, Something that I and actually like talking to service providers that, you know, we sometimes talk to other folks who kind of service a completely different part of like the restaurant uh, ecosystem. So, you know, we're very focused on hiring. We help people get, you know, hire team members up to managers. But I talked to folks who are like thinking about AI drive-throughs and, Mm -hmm. you know, AI drive-through, what does that look like? On paper, it could be amazing. Like, you know, you're able to get more out, get higher um, order values. You're able to like move your drive-through faster. Um, I know some like QSRs, every 15 second increase yields like a couple hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, right? So it's like these kind of things you read about and you hear about, but but then I was talking to uh, a provider that just provides like internet to all the restaurants. That's not something we think about, right? Because POSs all run on the internet, like on cloud-based, right? They need internet to run. Um, Your drive-through needs internet to run. Well, 
most internets at like at um, restaurants are not like fiber. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. They're, they're not like fiber, like one gig, like internet speeds. Like there, yeah. there's like usually two networks. You have one for like the POS and all the like the mm-hmm. must, must, um, must operate systems. And then you have like, okay, like, you know, a guest who's coming in and wants to work on their laptop for a little bit. Then you have like that separate one. Right. Um, yeah. But something that like kind of came up was, okay, like you want to adopt all this technology, but do you even have the internet speed to support it? Like, because AI drive-through requires really fast speeds. Because if we're talking like a one, two second, five second lag on like the AI understanding what you're saying and like, you know, processing that information, that might be like not as helpful as uh, like maybe your current process. It's like maybe you have a parking lot drive-through situation, right? So um, we, we've uh, we've actually yeah. bit the bullet and converted to, to fiber. Yeah. Uh, and, and it, we're, we're probably premature in doing so, and, and may may be getting some pushback from 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 uh, uh, operators. But I think in the long run, we're we're setting ourselves up for for the future, like what you're speaking to now. So yeah, and that's awesome. So like, <coughs> you're thinking like right now, if you were to say, do you need fiber internet? Maybe not, but like it, what it allows you to do is like kind of set you up so that you can quickly iterate. Um, I think that's like kind of like one of my takeaways from some of the stuff that you're saying is like the mindset is like based on the operator and based on the metrics, like then make some decisions, but make sure that you are set up to be able to actually support those decisions once you want to make them. Because if you're looking at like your competitor down the street and, uh, and, you know, moving to cloud POS might take you like a quarter to two quarters, like you're not going to get to have an open API if you have a legacy POS system. So then you can't yeah. have this other solution and that other solution that you really want today. Um, and so like, kind of like uh, those two things that you were saying, like look for, uh, make sure that you have some kind of digital ordering system, make sure that you have some type of open API with your, uh, with your POS. And if you ask your POS provider and they don't have that, probably want to scratch your head a little bit and think about <laughs> you're probably thinking about hmm like what else do we need to look for there and then really just like reaching out to the community like the community has done this big and small like you know what makes sense for a one location unit is different than like a five location different than a 20 sure. different than a thousand um but the people who are at a thousand locations were at 20 locations at some point <laughs> that's correct um, so that makes a ton of sense. And I um, I wanted to like, you know, in the short time that we have left together, I wanted to um, kind of get your thoughts on that, that pilot piece that you mentioned, right? You have like some kind of pilot framework for rolling out new technologies where you like select kind of based on geographies, you might select based on a few other things. Um, what are like the timelines that you think about piloting? So I think that's kind of the missing piece. Like you have, you have a framework a lot of the time you have to make big decisions on little data. Like you might only have 30% of the data that you want, but you need to make a decision quickly because maybe you're going into your really busy season and you know that you can't make a decision during that time. Um, How do you think about like the pace at which you move like those pilot timelines or like the assessments? Timelines are tough and they almost have to have, you know, when you, when you're planning a project, uh, you almost have to give yourself some some contingency. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, you know, we're going to start this rollout, but hey, 
we're getting into December holiday season, uh, not only is it going to be hard to implement, but but if if you do get an implementation in and something's not going well, are you going to have the support on the other side from, or is everyone going to be on vacation for the holidays? So sure. so uh, uh, to that point, yeah, um, we uh, uh, they get easier. The, the timelines get easier and quicker as as you found some success in different rollouts. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, but but um, I th- I think. I think one of the things to think about with timelines is is uh, is uh, give yourself plenty of time, <laughs> sure. and leave yourself a way out as well if things start going south. Pretty, you know, sure. uh, which which typically they don't. Uh, if you've done your due diligence pre- beforehand, uh, yeah. uh, and, and uh, before you do get into that initial pilot store, really, really do your due diligence and, and uh, uh, getting getting things set up for it. Yeah, that makes sense. Something that I always see makes like these pilots more successful is like have like very clear success metrics up front. Like I think a lot of the time you go into and you're like, I just want this to be better. Well, what does better mean? Because better means something different Mm -hmm. for like different people. And how do you actually measure it? Because if it's just like a point in time feeling, you can't record that. (laughs) And then you can't really objectively like evaluate against that. Exactly. Um, do I feel good? Well, I mean, how you feel might be more based on like other things, like not not like how this restaurant is necessarily doing. Um, so like kind of setting the success metrics up front and being really like um, really like uh, disciplined about it. Like here's like here are the numbers. And if we can't collect these numbers, here's how we're going to start collecting these numbers so that we can like set some benchmarks and know how this is actually doing. And then after that, looking at those, what those success metrics are, think about like, what's a reasonable time frame to actually see the success metric move. For example, if you're looking at a metric like general manager turnover, hopefully you don't have a ton of that. Like, you know, you're not getting a ton of general manager turnover anyway. So maybe your like time frame for evaluation on that is a little bit longer than if you're looking at uh, whether or not this saves your manager's time. Like, cause like time savings can be something that's an input like immediately. Um, so like make first setting some of those data points and then setting like a, a time frame for that. And the time frames can change. Nothing's ever like set in stone, but setting those time frames and then having like set those meetings for everyone to get together to discuss those in the future. Otherwise, things things will always get busy. Things will always kind of fall to the wayside based on whatever fires sure. people need to put out. So having the discipline to like set those time frames and set like those success metrics up front. Um, I think is like when everyone's like in the most logical state of mind, right? So they're ready to like, you know, then two months later, you're like, oh yeah, I did. Yeah, I did actually think that that was important. And I wanted to look at this again in two months. Um, Well, amazing. I mean, that time flew by. I wanted to just um, have Ari, maybe you can tell us like the one thing that folks should take away from today's conversation. Um, Probably the biggest thing is, is, uh, uh, be be uh be ready to meet your customers where they want it to be met or they need to want to be met today not want it to be met but but uh that that's uh probably the one of the biggest learnings i've had in the past few years and and uh and uh what i look to accomplish on a daily basis so amazing love it um i think customer experience meeting them where they want to be met like the consumer is so different nowadays than they were before um, spending time with a customer and just like it's having your manager spend time with the guests 
to like know, uh, to get that feedback, to get that firsthand feedback. Um, well, thank you so much for the time today, Ari. This Thanks is for really having cool. me. Amazing. Um, and to wrap it up, every restaurant has a story. We're here to learn the playbooks that built the world's greatest restaurants and how you can apply them as a founder, an owner, an operator, or investor yourself. So we'll catch you next time. Thank you so much. Bye now.